Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Um, happy birthday to my daughter. She's 15. <laughs> and uh, Sorry, it's like she's like, uh, but not embarrassed. She's like totally strong. And um, can I just say welcome? I don't know where Rachel Bowes is. Just welcome, welcome to this actual um, real um, beautiful woman in the Lord who has served the Lord, and I don't know how many decades, it might be five or six, it might be going into six decades, and her and her husband through Bangladesh and other countries um, planted thousands of churches, I don't know what the number would be, but over, planted and oversaw thousands of churches, and that's Sophia's mum, Emily and Sophia, so just welcome Rachel, and... Um, And uh, welcome everyone else. Uh, I, uh, I, I find it really funny when we do, um, not funny, I mean God's, God's so smart and so strategic, right? But funny because uh, the stuff that he's like stirring my heart for this past week to even speak on and then again this morning and then the words that people that felt from the Spirit of God uh, are confirming <laughs> and saying the same things uh, along the lines of what I'm going to talk about this morning. And, um, but that is actually really great because it's the same Holy Spirit that speaks to me, that speaks to you, right? And so we should be getting really similar words and really hearing from Him what His plans are for our life individually, for our church, but also in the nations. And... Um, I'm, I'm going to start by praying. So do this again. I like to do this, like take a big deep breath in and exhale, right? Part of this is you're just relaxing. But part of it is the Holy Spirit is the Ruach, breath. He is the life, the breath within you, right? So breathe in and, and breathe out, but just it's like you're breathing in. Even the oxygen that he supplies into your lungs that keeps your body alive is given to you from him, as gift from him, right? So, so God, we just thank you for life. We just thank you for life. You are life itself. You are life. You give us life. You are the Ruach, the breath within. And uh, God, we just love you. We set our hearts to loving you. We set our hearts and our minds to honoring you and loving you and giving the best of everything that we have ourselves to you. In Jesus' mighty name, God, I just pray this morning that hearts would just be open to receiving your words, what it is that you want to say into hearts. I plead the blood of Jesus even in the meeting here this morning over every heart and mind and all of the emotions. I just plead the blood of Jesus and um, that, that God, that be a very openness to the things that you want to say and the things that you want to do. And we silence every other enemy voice and any lie that might try and pop up in a heart right now. We silence in the name of Jesus. Um, we take authority over that. So God, your words are the words that sit in hearts because it's your words that we need. It's your words that bring the change that we need in our lives and in, in this nation, the nations. So we honour you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we're prophetic people, right? It's no surprise we talk about it all the time and we just had a lot of people just come up and give prophetic words. It should be very normal. It should like flow from us all the time. Every day God wants to speak to you. Every day he wants to show you his heart, remind you who you are, remind you that he loves you, remind you that he has a plan and a purpose for your life and then he wants to bring great success to your life, not according to what the world would define as success, but his success, right? And so, but his words to you are constant. There's a constant flow. Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus had to reply to the, the devil who was misquoting and trying to twist scripture. But Jesus answered the enemy and he said, men shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. But the Greek word there, it actually means to be continually proceeding from the mouth of the Father. Every word that is continually flowing from God. The word, the, literally the Greek word means continual flow of words from the Father to our hearts and to our lives and into our spirits so that we would take on his narrative. Because there's a worldly narrative, isn't there? And there's a religious narrative and there's a narrative that the devil would like to uh, speak over you and for you to pick up and live by, right? But the prophetic words, why it's so important that we learn to hear God's words and, and apply them to our life is because we need to live under God's narrative, his storyline for you and for our church. And then even in the nations, when we talk about discipling nations, God's narrative, that's the prophetic that he gives to every single one of us. It's so important. We go, this is the word of God. 
only. <laughs> we, if I say to you, well, I've got my word of God today, the word of God, we just go, we, we think it's just the Bible, but we don't understand it's every single word that God speaks to us. It is this, and this is always extremely important. It is ultimate, unchanging truth. It is without error. And it gives us the guidelines then to then pick up all of the revelation that he wants to speak to us on any given day. Do you understand? So the specific, even in the, in the second half of the book of Acts, you can read about these very specific instructions that men like, well, all of Acts actually, so men like um, not just Peter, James, uh, Paul, the, the famous ones, but Philip who was less famous and other men who were less famous, uh, they had to get specific instructions from the Holy Spirit to go and do all of the ministry that they were doing into what city should I go? Should I go to this city? Should I go to that city? Should I take this boat? Should I not take that boat? Like all of this very, very specific instructions. You can read about that in the book of Acts. Our lives should look like the book of Acts and getting the same kind of instruction just like they did just like they did. In 2010, the Lord was speaking to me. Um, he just started really pushing into my heart, you know, because he, he speaks to us in so many different ways, right? And so sit with the Lord and go, teach me how you want to speak to me. Teach me how you want to download into my heart all the things that you want me to understand and know and grab revelation on and live by, right? So ask him, because he takes great delight in taking you on that journey, Right, and so in 2010, I was sitting with the Lord, and He's just started speaking to me for quite a little. For a, a few months went by, but He just started speaking to me about Reformation. Learn it. Learn what Reformation is, because I'm going to do another one, and it's going to be bigger than Luther's. Luther's was 1517. In 1517, Martin Luther, you, he's famous, right? We know he's a Protestant. <laughs> we're a Protestant church. Um, Martin Luther nailed 95. Uh, his, his theses against uh, a church in Wittenberg and, and the theses on the church were the um, corrections, which is, by the way is one of the words for reformation to me, it means correction to, uh, the corrections to the current church's operation which had been taken very far away from God's true intent and, and very far away from honouring God's heart, Right? I don't think it's too hard today to look that some other church has been taken very far away from God's true intention today. We can look around and say, yeah, I can see some mess. I can see some hurt. And I can see, I know people in this room and there's a lot of people that have come under uh, wrong church authority and have suffered at church hurt. Church hurt is a, is a phrase right now we can hear all through culture. And it's so incredibly heartbreaking. But God is not the one who did that. And God is wanting to do a reformation again, just like he did in 1517, but much, much bigger. I know it's much, much bigger because he keeps uh, pushing this into me in a way that I cannot ignore. And he said in 2010, start reading about reformation. Start reading what happened so that you know what it's going to look like when it starts happening now. <laughs> and, and, and like the, the, the division between people, the division, one church from another, even the wars that went on because there was wars in the world as much as there was division in the church, right? It doesn't look too dissimilar today what was happening there in the world in 1517. The Reformation then, the church has not looked the same since that Reformation. The church is so different. The church in five to ten years is not going to look the same. It's going to look very, very different. God is going to be putting into those that will a very new way of doing life with the Father, very new way of doing life um, in, 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 the, in the context of church family. So I have my biological family, right? But the spiritual family, the family of God, my brothers and sisters in Christ, he is going to be doing a big change in the church and it is going to be one that is going to be extraordinary love toward one another extraordinary love. Um, in John chapter 13, it says that we will be known by our love. If we really love one another, right, that we, 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 Jesus' intent for the church is that we'd be so different from the world, but the marking, the distinguishing factor more than any other thing would be love. And the distinguishing, other, other distinguishing factors like the miracles and the signs and the wonders, and they're fantastic and we want them all, but the greatest of any of that is love. John chapter 13 says, the greatest of all of these is love. The last verse, the greatest of all of these, faith, hope, but love is the greatest, right? Of any of the distinguishing factors, anything that would distinguish us and mark us as gods, belonging to God, devoted to God, is that we be people who love. 
And that love is the thing that's going to distinguish and mark us so, so differently. Um, in a few years after that, so I was in a church in 2010 and I was like praying, God, the status quo and the religiosity, I've just, I've had a gutful, I've had a gutful. I see that it's hurting people. I see it's causing pain, right? So that, you know, the prayers that you pray. Around 2015, um, I was listening to YouTube, um, just had a YouTube song in the background and, you know, it'll just roll through one video to the next video and I was, it was a Bethel, one of the, some Bethel worship set and they just busted out with this free, free prophetic bit that I, it caught my heart and I'll do this, it's, you're doing something new and it's fresh, I haven't seen anything like it yet, you're doing something new and it's fresh, and I haven't seen anything like it yet. It just got in my heart and melted me. He's doing something new and it's fresh. And we haven't yet seen anything like We haven't seen anything like it yet. Let's just sing it. He's doing something new and it's fresh. We haven't seen anything like it yet. He's doing something new and it's fresh. We haven't seen anything like it yet. Amen. Amen. We, we, we cannot put limits on God. We cannot, based upon what is done in the past, as amazing it has been, and it has been, we cannot put those things on the future and say, well, it must look like that. It must look like what I know. Because all we do is drag religious formulas and put them over the top of the thing that God wants to do. And it's a new thing and we haven't yet seen it. We don't yet know. We, can't, we can get a little bit of a feel. We can get a little bit of a pulse. In fact, even in John, uh, one, th- th- first, sorry, 1 Corinthians 13, I already quoted one verse. It actually also says in verse 9 or 10, we know in part and we see in part. We prophesy in part. We get little feelings, we get little understandings and the Lord uses revelation to grab us hold of our heart and put hope in us so that we can grab his narrative and we can see what he's wanting to do in a new way so that we step up up out of the mire and the muck of the world and its narrative and its storyline to go grab hold of God's, right? That's what the prophetic does in us. When he's wanting to do something really new, and he is, He's wanting people to be willing to just follow his heart no matter what it looks like. To follow his heart no matter what the consequences might be. To devote to him everything because he's worth it. But devote to him everything in spite of the good or bad consequences. If we live in a place of incredible obedience to the Lord, incredible obedience to the Lord, he becomes responsible for all of the consequences that we reap as a response of our obedience. Did you catch that? He becomes responsible for all of the consequences that come to us as a response to our obedience. But here's the thing. The minute we start doing life our own way, we take the responsibility for all of those consequences. And then we just start striving, don't we? Combating our way, fighting through life, competing with other people, right? And so the life of obedience is really important. I should read some scripture. (laughs) Before I even jump in there on obedience, I do want to say this. We saw a little bit of it this morning. On June 27, I went to bed, and after midnight, I just was still awake. After midnight sometime, the Lord just goes, read, read Ezra 1.9. So I break out my phone because it's got a light, right? I can't see this in the dark. So I read it on my phone. Um, so read Ezra 1.9, and this is the NIV if you're reading with me. And this is really funny. You'll, hear, you'll understand why. Literally, Holy Spirit, loud. Read Ezra 1.9. This was the inventory. Gold dishes, 30. Silver dishes, 1,000. Silver pans, 29. (laughs) You can read a a scripture like that and go, did I I hear you right? (laughs) It's like like silver dishes, 30 30 silver dishes. What's this mean at 1 a.m. in the morning, God? 
<laughs> right, don't you? So don't, don't, don't let your heart do that. Catch that thinking. Instead, do this. You just go, you go, well, that, that's a bit obscure. So why did you give me that verse? And then listen for the next instruction. Because this is all about training us in obedience in the first place. Right? So then he said, okay, read the rest of the chapter. So I read through the whole chapter. I won't do that now. You can all do that at home. But on a couple of the verses, what the dishes were, the gold dishes, the silver dishes, the silver pans, the next verse is gold bowls. There were 30 of them, matching silver bowls, 410, and other articles. And the Lord was speaking to me through this chapter, and this is what he said. I am returning my articles to the right place of worship. Ezra was a reformer. Ezra was involved in a massive reformation that was going on in Israel at the time. And the Lord, uh, certain articles have been taken out of the temple and taken off into captivity with a lot of the people of Israel. And they'd been taken into, they'd been made slaves. They were taken into captive, into bondage. But the articles of worship went with them into pagan temples in the place of bondage. And the Lord said to me on this, I am returning my articles to the right place of worship. And still I'm like, God, okay, help me, right? This is how you do it. This is how you work out with the Lord what he's telling you. Help me, Lord. What, what, is, what, are, what do you mean by articles? And he literally just goes, look up the Hebrew for articles. And the Hebrew for the word, the articles word is kelim or keli, all right? Kelim and then sometimes, you know, we have a these and the, the difference is just two extra letters on the, almost the same word, so other languages are the same. So kelim is the word there, it's articles. It's from keli. Keli means um, vessels, instruments, armour, weapons, equipment of war. But it was all, these, were, these were articles of worship for the sacrificial system and everything that they did around the sacrificial system and worship was uh, to... Uh, they would kill animals and burn them on the fire and use incense and burn the incense. And so all of these, all of these very, very precious bowls and articles and um, plates, that's what God was returning back into the place of uh, uh, worship in Israel, was in Jerusalem. And it was coming right back with Ezra and other men and other women who were returning those articles to establish worship rightfully in the place where God had ordained it originally, designed it to take place in the first place. Today, God is still doing that very work. He is returning the articles and the vessels and the instruments of worship to their rightful place today, Roger. This is for you too. Today, God is returning his articles to the right place of worship. This week, I had several appointments with people. Um, You only know about one of them, (laughs) yours. I had several, several meetings with people this week, and, and they all have the same story. I, I was part of a church. I was part of leadership. I was part of this team or that team. I was an instrument. I was a worshiper. I was a prophet. I was a teacher. I was a preacher. I got hurt along the way, and the leadership sat me down, sat me aside, pushed me over, told me I couldn't do it, and the enemy lies on the back of that that I agreed with. Let, let that go deep into my heart, and I sat down, and I stopped serving the Lord. This story is a story that thousands of people have around this nation. God is changing that and his narrative is going to be the one that is now restoring the articles to the proper place of worship. And so that was in June 27 that the Lord gave me that. But he's doing it now and even the word, I don't know your name, I'm so sorry. Mary Ellen, thank you. So even the word that you gave and several others are on the, all along the same lines. God is doing it now. I'm going to read. I read, I read just a couple of weeks, two, three weeks ago, this word from June, July 26, almost a month later. It's, it's heavenly expansion. Get ready. Get yourself ready. Root out, pull down, let all that has not been of me crumble away, sweep it away, remove the dust, remove the dross, present yourself a clean, ready vessel before me, for I am coming in like a flood now, and I want to fill you with myself, but I will not fill vessels that are full of muck and riddled with lies that have putrefying effect. I am coming for my bride, and I am the purifying fire that will consume all. I want you to burn for me, the cleaner and more pure and humble you walk with me, the more I can fill you and use you in these coming days. 
Watch, you will be amazed. Listen, you will hear my words and strategies for the coming days. For I am coming now to build my way and take back what was my, always mine, but the enemy has stolen and perverted. It goes with the other word, doesn't it? I will not wait for those who are unwilling to come with me now. Wasn't that what you were saying, Mary Ellen? I will not wait for those who are unwilling to come with me now. I've waited and given time, so much time they have said no. Now I must move without them. I am coming, I am coming, I am coming. Now, that was the morning and in the night time he gave me another one. It's this push, 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 which actually I always, is an acronym. He's like in my heart, he knows that's an acronym for me. It's like pray until something happens. So he's actually saying three times, pray until something happens, pray until something happens, pray until something happens. So push, push, push. It's go time right now. It's go time. Get ready. I am moving now. Do not hesitate, but move with me. Go with me. Do not look back. My judgments are just. Do not sit mourning. Move out and stay with me. I'm coming now like a flood. Those willing to come with me will see my great glory and my abundant provision. I am bringing justice in the nations now. This will be swift My bright and shining ones are those who receive my words and live by my heart's desires. I make my heart known to you. Run with me now. There's violence being done in the earth, but I'm bringing an end to this swiftly. Trust me. Trust my hand to provide and protect. The earth is quaking and shaking. Every nation is. But from this will rise my salvation and my glory will be seen and known by all. My heart is in you, known to you. Trust my words in you. Amen. 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 So I gave part of that only the other day, so that's the second part to it. But the important thing for us to know is that God is really speaking, that he is changing. He is changing radically, radically changing the whole of the earth right now. And it's going to not just affect the church, it's going to affect how we shop and spend our money and do education and how medicine is practiced, right? This reformation is going to literally change the world as we know it. And so we don't stand in fear and, and, and cower as if it's conquering us, the change is conquering us. If your heart has been conquered by Christ Jesus' love already, you have the strength in you because his perfect love in you casts out all fear of the world and any punishment or tyranny that comes through the world. And you can stand on the rock that is Jesus Christ now and have no fear of anything that's going to come to your door at all because you have Christ Jesus on the inside. Amen. Amen. So back to this thing on obedience. Our obedience to the Lord has got to be really momentary, like moment by moment. And here's the thing is prayer can be something. Prayer is everything that you do, everything that you're breathing up to heaven, praise, worship, prayer, asking, praising, any of the communication back, all of, all of that is all of, all of prayer, all right? Chain yourself to just do it all the time. Train yourself to have a conversation that just doesn't stop because he wants us to live with momentary, like absolute momentary, quick obedience, quick willing, quick-hearted obedience. And not because it's hard and he's wrathful and he's a mad God and he's like cracking a whip. We do it because we want to obey the one we love. And that's part of worship. If we live lives of just worshipful obedience... It brings great glory and honour to his name. But guess what? He, glo- he brings, puts great glory back on us. His presence becomes strong back on us because he's just looking for people on the earth who will be living so pure before him and so devoted to him without mixture, right? Without mixture of the world and, and the confusion between worldviews and things, but just live biblically pure and biblically with a biblical spiritual worldview, right? If we can be people who do that and allow him, even I use the word reform, on a well scale, but even in our heart, there'll just be little corrections. Anytime we're reading the word and there's a little correction in your heart, just go, yes, and yield it. Like quick willingness to allow him to change and him to grow you and him to move you and him to put in him into you the things he wants in you to strengthen you for these times that are coming. Because like Esther, you were born for such a time as this. He's looking for people in the earth who would just go, yeah, that's me, I'm on board with everything you want to do right now, God.
So open up, open up, um, open up to Matthew 28, 18. And a lot of you are going to know these scriptures. I'm reading from the NIV. If I'm, I'll tell you if I'm not, if I'm reading from anything else. So the NIV, Matthew 28. And famously, people know this is the Great Commission. So Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 is why I'm reading this, this next verse. Obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I think that... For years and years and years, we can sit in the church and understand we are called to disciple nations, we're called to go, we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as we don't sometimes forget that that word right there is obey, right there. We don't like obeying. <laughs> America's a very independent nation. And, um, and um, born, born, it's actually in the seed of the, the seed of the nation, the part of the culture in the nation, like an independent nation, because it was, we're going to move to a far land and we're going to move to where it's, we got religious freedoms, right? And there's an independence in that. And there's actually something that's very good and very godly that went into the seed of this nation on that, on that independence. It works in the reverse and against us if we apply that to when we're asked to be obedient to Jesus Christ. <laughs> so discernment, we need discernment, right? Like radical obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ is what God requires of us. And that is never going to change. He just wants us to live really obediently, always. Okay, read, open up your Bibles now to John 14, chapter 14. In the NIV still, John chapter 14, from verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things. I want to do all the greater things, right? Don't we all? Like, oh my gosh, someone was raised from the dead yesterday. I want to see all of that. And Jesus' promise to us is that we would. And not just a couple, but that, that even through our lives, he would do even greater miracles. And you can read about it in Acts because where the woman reached to the hem and touched the hem of Jesus' garment and she was healed. Well, in the book of Acts, when Jesus has gone to heaven and the Holy Spirit being given, well, now it wasn't that they had to reach and touch the hem. They could send pieces of cloth all around cities and towns and just by touching the cloth that once was worn, sometimes months or years later, still had the presence of God and strength on it so much that people touching the cloth would be healed. Or the shadow, Peter would walk by and the shadow, people would just be healed from his shadow. And so they saw the more. We are to be pushing into God to be seeing the more. His promise to us is that we would see the more, right? But let's, let's keep reading. Even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. 15 is why I'm reading this little piece of scripture. If you love me, keep my commands. (laughs) It's obedience. It's right there again. It's all connected to our devotion to the Lord, the quick willingness of our hearts to obey Him at every moment, on every day, in every thought, the deepest thought, right? And even so, even if you bring it to the very small relationship with a husband-wife relationship, and and my obedience to the Lord is that when I'm even relating to Him, and if it gets a little like friction, right? Because we do relationship, that's why uh, we're, we're created and the relationships are what we carry into heaven, right? And even in the marriage relationship, even the obedience of my heart to carry my heart before the Lord, even if I have something going on with my husband, the Lord is right there going, how are you responding? And looking for our obedient responses to prefer the other one, because that's what love does. First Corinthians 13 says love, we prefer the other person, Right? And so even in my quick willingness to obey the Lord is in my preference for my husband, even in the hard moments when no one else would even know. No one, else, no one knows what's going on in your heart, right? Except the Lord. And so even in those really hard moments, he's still looking for us to have this quick, willing response of love. This quick, willing response of, I'm going to yield off any wrong thought. I don't blame him for anything. I'm not going to hold any resentment for anything. 
I'm just using my husband, but it could be any relationship, right? The, the, the quick willingness of our heart to even have in every thought just brought and bowed low before him so that he can be the one that comes in and does all of the cleaning out and the purifying of our heart because he'll do it so gently. He's very kind and he's very gentle. We can trust him, right? Same chapter, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Jesus is saying that if, we, if we're going to be the kind of people that really live according to his words and teachings and live obediently, that is, that is we demonstrate that we love him. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. The word in the Greek there for show is to actually make manifest. It is to literally like burst into the space and make manifest so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you are loved and received by the Father into the Father's heart, right? And manifest knowing the Lord where your presence is known. You can feel him. You, can, uh, you, you know that something in the atmosphere has changed because his presence has just come into the room in a different way. Manifestly knowing, it as actually means like seeing sometimes, hearing, being able to receive revelation, right? This is all tied to our heart that just wants to worship and love, which includes our obedience. Verse 24. Anyone who does not love me will not obey. It doesn't get any plainer. <laughs> it's like right there in Scripture. Verse, skip down to verse 30. In verse 30, it says, Jesus again is saying, I love the Father... And do exactly what my father commanded me. And so Jesus, as a man, he didn't like push the divinity button and do things in, in divine strength, right? Philippians chapter 2 says he emptied himself of, of the divinity. He didn't stop being God, but he emptied himself of the divinity, meaning he didn't lean into the divine side of who he was to do the miracles. He did it all as a man, filled by the Holy Spirit. And we can read, we can read in his baptism, he was given the Spirit of God without measure. The Spirit of God just came upon him at that moment of baptism and remained. And that had not happened since Adam. And so, so when the Spirit of God came and remained on Jesus and he was filled with God with the Holy Spirit and he walked around as a man, flesh, full of the Holy Spirit though, it was, that, it was through the Holy Spirit all of the means and all of the miracles and all of the signs and all of the wonders were done. And here's what is really great is I love um, some of the, the Gospels talk about Jesus just going up on a mountainside to pray, right? Luke, more than the other Gospels, really hammers it, right? Goes after the prayer. Jesus went away to pray. Jesus was up on a mountain to pray. Jesus took Peter and John to pray up a mountain. And it's just constant Jesus pulling away because even, even Jesus wanted to get away in that place of seclusion and hear what the Father was saying through the Holy Spirit, right? This is, it's, it's what we're supposed to do too. So he said, I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. There's another point, I don't have it in my notes, but in John um, chapter 5, it says, Jesus is speaking again and he says, I don't do anything I don't see the Father doing and I don't say anything I don't hear the Father saying. Right? And what was that? It's just this completely surrendered life, a completely obedient life, a complete willingness to set aside my own agenda, set aside my own wants. And now he's God, right? But he still showed us the way to it. Philippians 2, I'm connecting it back, is he showed us the way to it because we need to live our lives that way. When we live our, and he did it as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, so that we as men, women, full of the Holy Spirit, had a model to follow, right? Because if he, did it, if he did it as divine God, we'd never be able to think we could do it. But he did it as a man full of the Holy Spirit so that we can also, just like Jesus in Luke 4, I am full of power by the Spirit. No, that, I'm just, that's, I started quoting it wrongly, the Isaiah section. It's I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm full of the Holy Spirit too. Uh, I should read it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the, thank you. I'm like singing an old 80s song. 
because it was set into an old 80s song. And you know, you know, sometimes you learn scripture through songs. I'm literally like twisting the scripture into the song and going, no, yes, no, yes. And the syncopation from the song's getting me. Um, in Luke 4, in Luke 4, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me and he's anointed me to preach the good news and to release captives and to release prisoners, right? We are supposed to say the same thing over our life. He did it to show us how. He did it to show us how to do all the ministry. He did it to show us how to move in love, how to move by the Holy Spirit, and how to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Everything that he did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit. And he's just looking for us to yield and live obediently. Because when he has obedient vessels, he can really start doing amazing things in the earth. Radical obedience to God's every word. We're starting, and I say starting, the Heavenly Radicals prophetic company. And I mean, it was, it's barely started. And I was like, it feels, I was talking with God, it feels like we've got a slow start to this God. And he goes, yeah, I've done that. I was like, oh, okay, I can relax, right? <laughs> so I can make sure I haven't like not done something. And, um, and the Lord goes, you haven't realized what I want to do with it yet. It's much bigger and it's decades it's not just a small school or a class that people are going to sign up and go through for a year. It's a, a prophetic company of people who are going to link arms with you and are going to just stand and march toward the, the everything God wants them to do. So we've got to put some muscle on, and the muscle is the, the flexing of our faith muscles, right? And the faith muscles get flexed when we live obedient in spite of consequences that come our way, and we just live obedient when the whole rest of the world is running the other way. <laughs> right? And so we march together following God's narrative, following God's prophetic words. When he's, at the beginning I said, he's doing something new. Um, he's doing something new. He's doing something new. We haven't seen anything like it yet. We have to tune into God's voice, his words, his revelation, and know what to do. So it's the, okay, what are you saying? How do I interpret that? How do I apply it? How do I live it out? And together, as a heavenly radical company, an army of people on the earth, we grow and move together with God's voice, following his narrative and doing his works in the earth. Does that make sense? And so the Lord literally just goes, that's why you haven't, you, you haven't captured yet what I really want to do with this company. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm good. Like, like I'm good with the, I'm good with the, I, I was actually asking the Lord, did I make a false start? Did I start it too soon? And he, and he said, no, not at all. So, so you, got, you can have all these conversations with him, right? He, he really wants you to be uh, wise and have his wise strategies out of heaven. He wants to anoint you, the Spirit of God, uh, in Isaiah chapter 11. It talks seven different things that the Holy Spirit gives you through wise strategies. The wisdom that you need to do everything. All of the decision making, clarity of thinking is yours through the Holy Spirit, right? A lot, often what we do is we go take, we go get validation from a person or a church leader or uh, CNN, <laughs> Baal prophets, So to be people who are really going to um, live radically obedient to the Lord is what he wants on the earth. And heavenly radicals, even the phrase, he gave me that phrase to call the prophetic company, heavenly radicals. And we'd be people who understand that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places now. It's a heavenly reality now. It's an eternal truth now because the Bible tells me I am seated with Christ in heavenly places now. So my position and my perspective on everything going on in the world is not from the low place and it's not from the media and it's not from my neighbor. It's not from gossip. It is from the I'm seated with Christ. What has he said to me today? What is he telling me about this week or this month or this year? What is he telling me for my family? What is he telling me for the church? What is he telling me about the nations? When he's speaking about Reformation, he'll tell you all kinds of things. In 1996, he told me, oh, I'll leave that one alone. In 2013, he told me, he said, Mark 16, 18 is for the vaccine war that's coming. I'm like, vaccine war? What do you mean? <laughs> he brings, if you're listening, he brings you in on it all. 
Because he's not surprised by anything going on in the world. Anything that the enemy's trying to do, anything that any man trying to build his own kingdom is trying to do, God is not surprised by any of it, right? None of it surprises him. And he's going to be telling people who are listening to his voice and bringing you in on all of his plans. He wants you in on the plans. He wants the army strong. He wants people with spiritual muscles so that we are develop, um, discipling nations. The first scripture I read was Matthew 28. He wants us to go into all the world and to be teaching people his words and to be teaching people his commands and discipling not just our own immediate family or our own city, but the nations. And the only way we do it is by tuning into his revelation and catching what he's saying on every single day, being strong in the word of God uncompromising, uncompromising, feeding yourself on the Word of God every single day more than you feed physical food. And I say this, and I don't just mean it as like some kind of nice pithy thing to say. Like this has got to be more important than the physical food you put in your body because this is eternal truth. These words won't fail. I forget what I had yesterday for breakfast. Sometimes I might forget what I read yesterday from the Word of God. That's not a bad thing, but just know that the more that you put it into you, the more it feeds you. I know yesterday's breakfast fed me physically, even though I can't remember what it was. Yesterday's word that I was reading, and even this morning where I was reading, feeds me and puts into me the strength and the muscle that I need to get up and become part of this army that God wants to raise on the earth, right? Right. So it's radical obedience. Just a couple of weeks ago, if you are wondering, I talked about radical servanthood, just being radically turning up and serving people's lives. This is just kind of part two of that message, right? Radical obedience, radical obedience to the Lord. And not because he's harsh, hard task master. Hard, did I say that right? A hard task master. That's a mouthful. He's not a hard task master. He's good and he's loving and he's kind and he's faithful and he'll protect you and his strong strength is for you. The right hand, your word was left hand, right hand. The right hand of the Lord actually means his strength, right? And so he is for you and he's going to hold you. I should say this. Um, I've, I've told people before, but I'm, it's worth saying it again. We have an enemy. He's very active and he is powerful only when you believe his lies, right? Otherwise, he's a pipsqueak. And Jesus said, if by the finger of God I cast out demons, the finger. So it's like, flick them away. And I say that to set this up. One time I saw a demon, probably the biggest one I've seen, and it was um, gum trees. A gum tree in Australia is a really tall tree. It's like maybe four to five stories tall of a building. Well, the demon was um, head, head and shoulders above the gum tree like looking down over the gum trees into the house where I was. And the Lord pulled back the wall of the house and I could see this demon looking right at me. And when it saw me looking back at it, it just noticed that I was engaged. I could see it, right? Because I think they get surprised by that. I know they get surprised by that. And it went, oh, and it turned away and pushed off the trees and went walking out across the ocean where my parents live. Now, walking, you know, because they're, they're not a physical body, so that's easy, walking across the ocean. Um, but the physical trees, even the physical trees, as it pushed off the trees, like blew in the wind like this. It was really funny. And I, and I went to bed going, why wasn't I afraid? Right? Because normally, I think normally it'd be like, oh, my God, what did I just see? And he's knocking, you know. I wasn't afraid at all, but I went to bed just going, God, thank you, but why wasn't I afraid? Well, I didn't get my answer until just two weeks later, and over where it went walking across the ocean, I was sitting in the same spot two, two weeks later, and the sun was going down. I'm just praying, and um, I saw the hand of the Lord come down over that ocean, over the bay, and his hand, his hand was so big that the, the, the five, four or five-story tall demon looked like less than the thumb, thumb fingernail on your thumb, tall, in comparison to just the hand, and it was the right hand, <laughs> it was the right hand, so I saw the thumb and everything just come right down over this bay that's like six miles wide and, and, and ten in the other direction, and it just came down over the, over the whole bay, and, and, and with that came this exhale of like peace, because it was him saying, he didn't say it, but he made me know it. Sometimes you just know a thing. That's how. That's one way he communicates revelation to us, right? 
I knew it. I was like, oh, that's why I wasn't afraid. Your hand's been here the whole time. And he keeps us that strong and that safe and that protected. His hand is what we sit under. In fact, Psalm 91 is if you just you, you sit under that, sit with him under that in his protection. And nothing that comes against you, no sickness, no disease, no enemy, no pestilence at night, nothing can take you out because the Lord's strong hand. And so, yeah, let's just pray. Huh? No, Psalm 91. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Okay. I can barely hear you, sorry. <laughs> Did you want to read it? Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Um, I was just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. Um, his hand. So here's something about his hand. Here's what's really good to know. It's very big. <laughs> Actually, it's bigger than that because one time I should just say this. We're, okay, this drum kit. See, see that circle around about? One time, probably around 2017, I should share this vision because this puts even in perspective what's going on. One of the words earlier, there's violence going on in the earth right now, but God's plans are the plans that trump them all, right? Violence going on in the earth. Um, um, that drum kit, the size of that, which is quite small in comparison to me standing next to it, right? One time the Lord showed me just as I was praying, it, he stood, the, the earth was just right there next to him and he was having a discussion with an angel, right next to the earth and the Lord was showing the angel all of his plans of what was coming, coming here now into the earth, the Lord's plans, which will trump any plans that any of the WEF, you know, Charles Schwab, all of those guys, they are pipsqueaks, puppets, right? So the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, right? And he stood next to the, it was that small, it was just up high, in comparison to Jesus, right? Small so I said that his hand came over a bay that was six miles in wide in one direction. He's even bigger than that, right? He created it all anyway. The whole universe is in his hands. But in his hand, you sit. Your life sits in his hand. And his hand is the one hand that has either the power to crush or the power to hold strong. And the crushing is coming for those that don't yet know him. The crushing is coming for the enemies of God who've made themselves enemy of God's people and enemies of the world. I mentioned the, the Klaus Schwab. I said Charles Schwab. He's an investment guy. Um, <laughs> Klaus Schwab. The Lord's hand is coming to crush. The Lord's hand is coming to crush his enemies and those people that are not just the Lord's enemies but they've turned their wrath, the, the Satan, our enemy, has turned his wrath against the sons of God, right? The daughters of God. God's hand is coming to crush those but his hand is the same place of safety for us, right? And so you decide yourself, you put yourself in his hand and you, you then become the, the recipient, the benefactor of his strong hand of strength and protection and provision and everything that you need to keep you safe, right? Everything you need to keep you safe. So place yourself there right now as we just pray, even just think, all right, I'm in your hand, God. Posture your heart in humility with him right now. I'm in your hand, God. We're in, we're in your hand and you've got the whole world in your hands, He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got itty bitty people in his hands. God, we know we can trust you. We know we can trust you. We even sung today, we want to love you more. And I pray that would be true of people's hearts today, that we literally would go day after day falling more in love with you every day, falling deeper in love with you every day. And with that is deeper trust, more trust. And with that trust comes the ability for us to really go after you with everything we have in faith, trusting. We can uh, listen to your every word and just start doing it. Listen to your every word and put it into practice. Listen to your every word and quick, willingly just obey and do everything you're asking us. And God, we can trust you because you are good and you are faithful. You've been ancient of days. You've been faithful since the beginning and you'll be faithful till the end. And um, Father, we, we do, we just say we trust you.
We trust your hand. We trust your hand. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our families. We trust you with our workplaces. We trust you with our finances. We trust you in this uncertain time right now. But you did say that this would be a good summer to remember. So we trust that word, that this will be a good summer to remember. And Father, in spite of what we might see as a circus going on around about us, we trust your words. Your words are true. Your words are eternal. God, we trust you. You know what you are doing. We know in part. We see in part. And we'll even set aside our own overanalyzing and our own human ways of doing things to try and figure things out ahead of your time. We'll be in peace instead, trusting your heart, trusting your timing, trusting what you're wanting to do through our lives and then through the earth. We trust you, God. We trust you, God. I pray, raise people's ability to have faith. Spirit of God, you are who puts faith in the heart in the first place. It is pistis is the Greek word. You're the one who even originates that faith. And then even beyond that, God, I'm praying for a gift of faith on people, the spiritual gift of faith to come upon people's hearts and lives, that literally that they would light up and that they'd come again into right identity and that they'd come again as you are returning the articles to worship. You are returning the articles to worship and you are writing identity you are putting purpose again on people you have anointed people for your service and you have a great great job for every single one of us to do and so I pray God we'd all know it we'd see your hand fashioning us we'd see your hand having having your way and moving things around moving people around moving situations around and that we'd literally be able to feel your presence every day as we do it as we just obey thank you faithful God Thank you, faithful God. Thank you, faithful God. Thank you, faithful God. Thank you, faithful God. Father, you're a good father. You're a good father. You're a good father. You're a good father. We, we love you. You're a good father. You're a faithful father. You're a good father. Thank you, God. He's doing something new and it's fresh. We haven't seen anything like it yet. He's doing something new and it's fresh. You haven't seen anything like it yet. He's doing something new and it's fresh. We haven't seen anything like it yet. He's doing something new and it's fresh. We haven't seen anything like it. He's doing something new and it's fresh. Haven't seen anything. Fresh, anything like it, yeah. Doing something new and it's fresh. Haven't seen anything like it, yeah. Doing something. Thank you, God. We just want to be a part of everything you're doing, Jesus. And thank you, just our willingness to even say yes to you. Your faithfulness comes in on the back of that and the Holy Spirit empowers us to do all your will. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.